Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Telling you, bro. What's been happening, bro? Uh, not too much. Still hitting more peggy Welcome back, guys and gals, to the Riff Raff, broadcasting to you today from beautiful, what is this place, Grand Bohemian Hotel in Orlando, Florida. I have a day off doing this Hall & Oates tour, almost finished this second leg. Apologize for the lapse in episodes, I'm trying um, to get them out here as fast as I can. I still have a few Riff Raff t-shirts left, not too many, um, just extra large and large at this point, and I'm not making any more after this, so it's collector's item, if you want them, have a few. And sorry for the sniffles, I'm kind of fighting a cold, but um, wanted to get this done today for you. <clears throat> My guest today is Pat Bergerson. Pat's a friend, amazing guitar player, a natural, he's at ease with virtually any style, his credits, lots of credits. I mean, Lyle Lovett, Shelby Lynn, Susie Boggess, Butch Trucks. There's so many more. But the one I left out, as Pat will tell you, is probably the biggest game changer, Chet Atkins. He got a phone call that changed his life that you will hear about. Pat's not only a great guitar player, he's a ridiculously amazing harmonica player. He plays uh, chromatic style on a diatonic harp and I, I don't know overblowing I think it, and then you can get all the, the chromatic notes in between it's, it's ridiculous and he's got the chops and the knowledge to translate all his guitar stuff onto the harmonica you'll hear he blows bebop on the thing uh, it's not fair Pat anyway uh, he's got his own solo records the most recent one being Hippie Dance which is great you're listening to the title track right now his wife, Annie Selleck, is a great jazz singer in Nashville. He plays duets with her a lot, and sometimes they'll tour with Tommy Emanuel. I believe he told me they did a Christmas tour. It's really successful, so keep an eye out for it. So I was so glad when Pat, you know, you uh, it was the last minute. I was in Nashville, and I called him. I said, yeah, come over. It was just fun, and always great to see him. Great guy, fun hang, just fun. And we had a lot of good jams here this day. We played some tunes. I've um, panned, let's see, Pat is on the right side and I'm on the left. Thank you again for all your comments and iTunes comments. and I uh, love hearing from you guys. Hope you will enjoy this episode. 
Nice, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get to that part. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> nice, Pat. Thanks, Shane. Let's try to do that without coughing through the no, That's right, man. Got a little onion bagel in my larynx there. <laughs> Star Bagel. This episode brought to you by Star yes, Bagel. Star Bagel. Yeah. 46th Avenue in beautiful downtown Sylvan Park, Nashville. <laughs> I'm sitting in, in beautiful Sylvan Park, Nashville with Pat Burgess. Man, I haven't seen you in forever. Yeah, I know. It's been a long time. Sounded great as always. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. You too. Yeah, we just kind of learned this little Grant Green tune that you were showing me. And yeah. Pat's playing a beautiful, you said it's a 61? 61, 330. 330. Got yes, the period correct instrument for Grant Green, too. Yes. I guess that would be right, isn't it? This was his his deal, the 330. Yeah. It's great. I love this guitar. That's a good good one. That one's in good shape, man. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, man, I, um, God, there's so much stuff I want to talk about. Let's see. Um, haven't seen you forever. Uh, who have you been playing with lately? I know you were doing something with Jack Pearson, right? Uh, yeah, Jack and I were d- doing a band together. I was so glad to be asked to do that by Jack. You know, they uh, Jack uh, got a call from Butch Trucks about doing a band, to, um, and they named the band, Butch named it Labrere. Like Labrere in A minor means, you know, the brothers. Is Le- oh, French okay, for, yeah. French for the brothers, Labrere, so... And that, you know, Allman Brothers had a tune called Le Brer in A minor. And uh, so anyway, that's what we did for the last couple of years. And then Butch passed away, unfortunately, mm-hmm. last last um, January. And so, um, yeah, it was fun, man. That was a really fun, fun time. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And just, you know, getting to play with Jack every night and getting that's to hear a, him play. and You and Jack together, and, man, that's a pretty potent combination right there. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, to get to be in a band with all those guys from the Allman Brothers and, you know, the two original drummers, you know, that was their yeah. last... O'Teal. Their last time together was in that band playing together. And so it was It was very special. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I and missed O'Teal. that. I know you guys came up to Connecticut or something. I couldn't... Yeah, that's right. Could, yeah, because I think I, I had reached Steve out to you Shapiro about coming gonna, to that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun time. So we did that. You know, we did some festivals and some a little bit of touring, and and um, so I got to play Jessica and Hotlanta and nice. all those great Allman Brothers tunes and the songs that I learned uh, when I was in high school. You know, playing rock bands in high school—that's what we played as Allman Brothers. You know, all the time. Except for we played all the parts wrong. You know, we'd screw up the harmonies and the whole band would fall apart, you know. And and uh, I didn't know that was just some of your background. Oh, I absolutely. Didn't... That's like we had we had a rock band called the Blues Agency, and that's all we played was was Almond Brothers, Jay Giles Band, and the Rolling Stones. That's wow. probably that's about all we knew. You know, we knew some other stuff, but that was like the majority of what we played. No Skinner? So Oh yes, and of course Skinner. Yes, we played Skinner. For sure we played that. Yeah. We played "Gimme Three Steps" and and uh, "Sweet Home Alabama." And, yeah, mm-hmm. I always liked Skinner, man. They were they were oh. sort of like the the southern version of ACDC. You know, they had cool guitar parts. Like their their things were all arranged. You could tell they put a lot of time into arranging all those guitar parts. Oh yeah, those but, guys were brilliant. 
Yeah. I mean, they're brilliant. Ed King and, you know, oh, even God. now, like Ricky Madlock and all those cats. Are yeah. Yeah. Those guys are great. Ed King was one of my favorite guitar players, still one of my favorite players. I mean, he played some brilliant guitar stuff mm -hmm. on those records. Sweet Home Alabama. He's playing over those changes, too. It's like a, that solo. That's why it sounds so hip. Mm-hmm. But speaking yeah. of Southern rock, we, we share a common uh, former uh, employer of both of us, Johnny Neal. Oh, yeah. You know, I remember the first time I ever saw you play, Pat, was uh, with Johnny Neal. And it was at that place. I don't know. I was asking you if you remember where it was. I, I guess it's now defunct. Uh, Broadway something? Oh, cafe or yes. It was called... Um... Darn it! Something like that. Something like that. Something eons ago. Yes. You were playing on Nolansville, or it was Thompson Harding and Nolansville down there. Yeah. But you had an old Magnatone amp. You had two amps. I still have that amp. I still have that amp right over there. Boss, like three pedal thing, with some kind of Ibanez distortion pedal. I remember talking. Did I? Okay. I think I had that distortion pedal. That's what it was. I still have that pedal, and I. The buttons are messed up on it. Like somebody told me there's a guy who can put it in another box for me mm -hmm. or something to make it work. But yeah, that's a great sounding distortion pedal. I'd love to still use it, but it's yeah, it's messed up. But yeah, yeah that you, were, was, you were playing with Johnny, man, and it was killing, man. That's and, right. And you, yeah, you you pl started playing with right. You said right, right after, after I you. Did. Yeah, you was Jack, and then you, uh -huh. and then yeah, some, some. Yep. Well, he, you know, he was a Johnny was a blast to play with. I know. Yeah, I miss seeing him. I need to go say hi to him sometime. He's a brilliant, brilliant guy. But yeah, man, he used to do some funny stuff, man. Just on <laughs> stage. Does. Like he used to just, <laughs> he would just, his ears were so huge and he would just go. You remember how he would just yeah. go places like, and yeah. it was so fun. Because you, know, yeah. you really had to be heads up when you played with him. Because he was yeah. just always, you know, you <clears throat> you take for granted like, you know, you know, because his ears are his eyes, you know, since he's blind, you know, legally blind or whatever, his ears are his eyes and he's always listening. Oh, yeah. Where, and everything's you know, heightened, man. You know, I think his, his senses are heightened because of his, his yeah. visual um, impairment. But um, I always found myself kind of, you know, sometimes if I would just, you know, become be, be distracted like for two seconds or whatever. Right. I might be on the gig and I'm like, you know. Maybe just my mind wanders for a second. I'm like, holy cow, he's right on me. Yep. Johnny's Big harmonizing ears. what I'm playing. You know, he's listening to every single note I'm playing. And, and it's that was a real eye-opener for me. Yeah. I was like, wow, man, this guy is, his ears are wide open and he's listening. And he taught me, you know, that yeah. at that time, like, wow, you know, I need to be more like Johnny. That's interesting because you know, I remember thinking that. I remember him, you know, he'd say, look, man, just stick with just hit he, he it was a motif i guess to be technical about it but mm. he's like just stick with it and I'll, i'm gonna hit it with you and we just keep building that shit and people mm. they they like that mm -hmm. you know they get off on it and yeah I was yeah like, hmm, all right yeah yeah so it's not too much no hell i'll play it for 30 seconds right yeah yeah you know i remember johnny mm -hmm. playing a, a, a this blues man he must have played it seemed like 10 minutes you know the solo and then he goes break it down i feel like playing a little bit now <laughs> <laughs> right, right. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how much is too much but he could get away with that yeah yeah know? yeah yeah he was so so brilliant that way <laughs> but you man. sounded great in that band man and you know johnny loved your playing because he's i saw him the other day and he was but um but man you know there's a lot of things i don't know about you i want to ask you about you you sort of you were brought to net and i don't know if you were brought to nashville but you were kind of summoned to nashville by chet atkins is that right so can you tell yeah. me about that that's pretty cool like well that was um 
Yeah, that was uh, early 90s. Um, yeah, I was living living in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, at the time, I was there for a few years. And, you know, I was playing gigs around New York. I was there, finished college at William Patterson in New Jersey. And I lived in New York for 10 years. Were just you there when doing... Bill Stewart was there? Yeah, Bill was there at the oh. same time I was there. And, and uh, Peter Bernstein and... Wow. And um, all those guys were kind of coming in and out, you know, Larry Goldings and, you know, I was around when those guys had put that organ trio together for the first time. And and just, man, all the guys that I went to college with there are still like the best cats in New York, you know, for playing jazz and yeah. and all that. Um, but, yeah, so I was teaching at the National Guitar Summer Workshop and uh, my friend Robert Lee Castleman uh, gave Chet a demo tape that we had done together mm. um when he was there doing a guest spot at the guitar camp i wasn't in i went out of town that weekend or that week when he was there and um so i missed his thing and uh yeah he heard me on that demo tape and kind of one thing led to another and he just liked what i how i played on the tape which is kind of really neat because that kind of thing doesn't happen very much anymore no, right no. you give somebody your cd or whatever and they go wow who's that guy playing on there you know i want to use them on a record with me you know wow. Cause, yeah because it wasn't just i like you you know call me if you come to town he actually hired you to play on a record that yeah. was your yeah he hired me to yeah so he, did he just call you up he called me on like a, to you know I have, I have it on a cassette tape and i have it around here somewhere wow. i was actually trying to think if i could find it before you got oh, here and wow. i play it um yeah, he called me and, and left a message on the answering machine. I went out of town, you know, came back, and it's like over Thanksgiving weekend or something, and he left a message on the machine saying, Hey, Pat, I want you to come down here and play on this record with me and Jerry Reed. Uh, Pat, this is Chet Atkins of Nashville. I wonder if you could call me. I'm at uh, area code 615-329. Open my home number. I'll be there the next few days. It's 665. I want you to play on this record with me and Jerry on a couple of tunes. So call me about it. Bye-bye. He had, he had met me before that. <laughs> yeah. Because I went came to Nashville to visit, and I was with Robert Lee Castleman doing a, uh, he was, they were doing a spec deal on him to record him as an artist and so we did it down in muscle shoals with mm. david hood and roger hawkins wow, and man. those guys and Swampers. steve nathan yeah it was an incredible session chet heard i was in the area and stay in town and they're staying in nashville here and he said uh, send that guy down to my office i'm gonna meet him you know so i went down to chet's office and sat there and passed the my green stratocaster back and forth to each other and and you know you showing me stuff on the guitar and i'm showing him stuff on the guitar he's like ah, show me how you did that and i'm like I can't believe Chet Atkins is asking me to show him how to play licks, you know. And then yeah. immediately I realized, you know, this is the coolest guy ever. I mean, he's yeah. 65 years old or whatever he was at that time when I met him. And he all he wants to do is learn new licks on the guitar. Wow. You know, which says a lot. I mean, yeah. he was a musician first, you know. And that's what he, you know, I just... I mean, not uh, not that that's too surprising, but, you know, one could think, oh, well, uh, he's Chet Atkins. He just golfs every day and plays a little guitar, but that wasn't the case. You know, he was constantly practicing just like I was yeah. and uh, all my friends were doing, you know. So, so yeah, we really hit it off. And then, then it was, you know, a month or two later, he called me. And in, that me in the meantime, he had gotten a demo tape of my music, which I was working at the time working on at the time which was very much rock and roll like hmm. 
blues rock kind of jazz, but more like, you know, the stuff he heard was me was really rocking out. The, the yeah, stuff instrumental stuff. And it was me really rocking out. It mm. wasn't like he even knew I played jazz or they mm. knew I was a harmonica player or anything yet. So I thought that was also kind of cool mm. that he was taken by the rock and roll stuff, not like this other part of my playing, which I was very much a part of, you know, the jazz thing. But, you know, I also do that, you know. So I just thought it was cool that he dug that stuff. And, and I think at that time... Uh, he wanted to put have somebody in his band who was kind of a little more modern, right? You know, yeah. which I added that cat, element. Yeah. So <clears throat> he called me to play on that record, and I guessed it on the record and played some solos on a few songs. It was him and Jerry Reed. I'm and embarrassed so, to say I've never heard that record. I mean, yeah, it's called Sneaking Around. Okay. Yeah, and it came out in '91 or two or somewhere around there. Jerry and so Chet. You were really young then. I was about 31. Yeah. Something like that. Chet and Jerry got together to make another record. And it's a really nice record. And um, so, you know, of course, I was a fan of Chet's and Jerry's and stuff. So, yeah, he called me to do that. And, of course, I was just, you know, mind was blown by getting called by him to do that. And I was just incredibly yeah. super green and excited. But I went in and just... And, uh, and that was he, recorded here in Nashville. Recorded here in Nashville. He... he um, asked me to do this record and then about three days later he flew me to nashville and uh and the flight was like at 5 a.m or something and i got to nashville at like six in the morning or something and his manager fred came over and picked me up drove me to chet's house and i went down in his basement to record you know and um it was just chet down there you know by himself you know in the basement studio of his and uh I walked in and he set up his old Standell amp with the 15 inch speaker, mm. which is an incredible sounding amp. And uh, I plugged into that and I was sitting there put, taking my pedals apart and doing all that. And Jerry Reed, I hear the toilet flush. And then Jerry Reed walks into the room and he sees me sitting there in the chair and he goes, to, says to Chet, Hey, is that the little son of a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> and Chet goes, Yeah, that's him. You know, so he walks over to me, and I'm sitting there in a chair. He gets behind me and puts me in a headlock. You know, gets my neck like this. And I'm like, oh. He goes, he goes, uh, you like you like playing the guitar? I'm like, yeah, like, yeah. He says, you like girls? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He says, you like being behind the wheel? I go, I don't know. What are we gonna drive somewhere? He goes, no, I'm gonna run your ass over. What the hell? <laughs> that was the first thing he said oh, to me. Man. And that was funny. I just never never forgot that. And then uh, we went and started recording. And Chet played me the tunes you know, that he wanted me to solo on. Summertime was one of them. And um, uh, Chet did a real cool version of Summertime where he played a fretless guitar. Which is really? really? I fretless loved, guitar? I would love to have one of those guitars that he had. It's, like a, it's a fretless guitar. So, yeah, I plugged into that Standell amp. It's turned down real low. I had my rat distortion pedal and that green Stratocaster, and it sounded, the tone was fantastic. Mm. And uh, we went in, we listened to the first song, and Chet says, said, said, well, yeah, well, where should I play? What do you want me to do here? He goes, he goes I got an idea. You go out there behind the glass out in the big room, <laughs> and I'm going to stand here behind the glass in the control room, and you watch me. He's got me up on a big stool, right? And I'm looking through the yeah. window. He says, you watch me. When I put my arm up 
like this, you play. <laughs> when I put my arm down, you stop. That's like producer secrets. <laughs> that was it. Like so amazing. I'm standing there, sitting there in the stool, like with the headphones on, listening to the track, blowing a solo, and I and I'm watching Chet was standing there with his arm up in the air, and then he puts it down, and I stop. That's like that he's like parking an aircraft or something. That's exactly yeah. That's what it was like. It was like he he's in there uh, waving me on. Wow. And, uh, I played a few solos and. And hung out for a little while and listened to some more of the tracks and that they were working on and and uh, I went to lunch with them and then I ended up staying in Nashville for a whole week after that. I told Chet right after that I said, "Well, well." As we were leaving the studio, he said to me, "He goes, um, said you did a really good job," and he kind of whispered it to me in my ear. He had his arm around me. He said, "You did a really good job." Like I knew you would. Wow. <laughs> he looks at me real serious. Like he's, you know. Yeah. Uh, that it is, was just really incredible. It was yeah, really incredible. Is, is but it? he was like, yeah, I just, I was stunned by the whole thing. But I think, you know, he he really liked my writing, you know, the stuff I was writing. And, and, you know, I don't know what it was, but we just, just hit it just off. Just clicked. Yeah, we just clicked and... and and, um, you know, to this day, I still can't really believe it happened. You know, I mean, well, I was just a guy like anybody else we know. You yeah. know, I'm a guitar player living in New York, and I'm, I got buddies who I, around me who I think can play circles around me, you know. But I'm just, you know, playing weddings and bar mitzvahs and doing whatever I can to scrape together a living. And then that happened. And my, my, my entire life changed from then on as a musician and as a guitar player. Because that, you know, kind of break is what every young yeah. guitar player needs. And I try to remember that all the time. That was sort of the game you know. changer right there, right? Yeah, it was totally the game changer because, you know, I'm still living in Brooklyn. You know, Chet's coming to town to play Carnegie Hall with the New York Pops and wants me to be the be like the guest person. So on all the, of a sudden on the your concert. cred goes way up. Oh, yeah, I'm like yeah. playing at Carnegie Hall and then we're doing, you know, the bottom line and we're doing TV shows for the record. And I'm still living in Brooklyn. Yeah. And it still hasn't dawned on me that I should move to Nashville. Yeah, I'm such that's a my knucklehead. Nick, that was a question that obviously, yeah. like, at what point do you say, okay, well, I got this, you know, well, carte blanche at, kind of invitation here. I should just... Well, he, Chet had hinted to me a few times, like he'd say, he you know, he would never come right out and say, you know, you, should, you know, move to Nashville and, you know... Because he doesn't, understandable, you know, you, yeah. he's not going to say something like that. He, But, you know, he's hinting at it like, well, yeah, I guess if you move down here, you sure do really good, probably, you know, uh, you know stuff like that. And um, and sure enough, I finally, after a year of doing several things with him, mm -hmm. I, um, I was moving. My lease ran up in Brooklyn, and mm -hmm. I just, there was no way in hell I was going to try to find another place to live in New York for oh, man, I know the money I was that. paying yeah. that I couldn't afford and so yeah. I just I just packed up one day and you know and I'd moved out to suffer in New York with my friend Matt King great piano player who mm -hmm. lives out there in New York was went to college with at William Patterson and moved in with Matt and I'd been there just a I think as soon as I moved in with him I decided I'm gonna move to New York so or, I mean move to Nashville and so I started coming down here to check out the scene and mm -hmm. and you know a day i got to town chet picked me up and uh said yeah uh i gotta take you down to the union sign you up for the union he said it's a work, right to work state but if you're going to be working with me you're going to have to be in mm -hmm. the union and i was like that was the day i got to nashville mm. so 
Yeah, that was incredible. So did you meet Harold that day? Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did meet Harold that day, yep. Yeah. That was in 1993, February of 93. Yeah. I talked to Harold yesterday. Yeah. As, you know, yeah. we were talking about those, those oh, are the yeah. legends, man. He was talking about Chet yesterday. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. So you, so Chet yeah. has literally picked you up from the airport mm-hmm. when your first day in Nashville. Took Holy me. shit. That's, yeah. that's, he, I, I, I went down there. I came down here with a friend of mine to move in, move here. Then I went back to Brooklyn for like a, maybe to get some more stuff. And then I came back like a week later. And that's when he picked me up at the airport and, and uh, took wow. me to the union and but you know so then on we started just doing you know various things to promote this oh we started working on the next record one called uh, read my licks i had uh, that one right i had that one yeah, yeah i remember that record and he fe- really featured me on that record you know he really he put me on almost every song and we wrote i wrote two of the songs on there you got a favorite favorite one of those on that record? Well, there's one called The Mountains of Illinois uh, that I wrote uh, when I was still living there in mm-hmm. Brooklyn. And that was one of the demos of mine that Chet heard that was really kind of rock and roll, you know. And uh, Chet loved it, and we did a version of it. And since then, Tommy Emanuel has cut the song and t- cut a beautiful version of it and made his own great version of that song. <laughs> another call, a song on there called Take a Look at Her Now that Robert Lee Castleman and I wrote together. Yeah, it was it was really great, Shane. It was pretty amazing. I still can't believe it, it all happened. Really, I mean, I owe so much. I mean, Chet Atkins was, you know, I just when I think about you know sitting here talking to you, when I think about all the, how that all happened and everything, all well, the circumstances around granted, it, you know, because you play with yeah. so many people, and the older you get, like you know, the older I get, I think about things. But you go back and reflect, and you go, man, the stars really just align. I mean, obviously, yeah. you play your ass off. That that was a given, but. To be like just, there's always some element of luck involved. It's mm-hmm. always something mm-hmm. that's going to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. never uh, just about ability, man, although. And to have Chet Atkins, holy shit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs>
you're in Nashville, and then, I mean, your cred must have been instant in Nashville. Like, Chedek had brought this guy, this kid here. Did you start working right away with different people? Um, yes, I did. I started working with Chet, uh, with uh, Susie Boggess because I'd met her. Through, back then. Back I knew then, you, yeah. I met Susie before I moved here. I did one of the TV shows for the, the Read My Licks record. And um, I met Susie before then, and um, and then I worked off and on with her for the last twenty five yeah, years. She's still one of my favorite people in the whole world, and I had a blast with her. Mm. And um, uh, yeah, I started working with her, and then you know started working with Shelby Lynn and recording with her. I saw you with Shelby did with the you? symphony. Oh God, yeah, that's Long right. Mark, Con- Mark Mark O'Connor was playing fiddle. I think on I, that. I think I remember that. And, yeah. and you know, Dan Helf's dad was conducting or yep. something. That Matt, was a Matt long Rawlings time. Matt Rawlings was playing piano, and uh, yeah, I remember that. I mean, I didn't yeah. know you then, but I remember that gig. I went yeah. to that for some mm-hmm. reason. I don't remember, but um, yeah. but yeah, that so I ended up doing that. But you know, at at the same time, I still had to, you know, like you said, credibility. You know, it definitely does give you credibility, of course, to be to work with Chet. But at the same time, I had to. I still wasn't like. It didn't really matter, you know, because people still you still had to get in line. Yeah. You know, you still had to get in line to like, you know, there was already. You know, I when I first moved to Nashville, like, you know, I wasn't even close to being in the league as a studio guy, as like mm-hmm. Brent Mason or some of the guys mm-hmm. that were doing session work back then you know i still needed to like be schooled and like mm-hmm. you know being good at playing on recording sessions yeah, and parts and sounds yeah i was so green like yeah, yeah parts and sounds and just what not to do you know and i was still really green and i was just lucky that people asked me to do any of that because i mean it wasn't that i didn't have any experience you yeah. know i was doing some recording sessions in new york but they're not yeah. As you know, it's not recording sessions in New York. My experiences was that they're not at all like in Nashville. Yeah. You know, having to read number charts and like the way that people, you know, you got to have your, well, you know, I shouldn't say that because, yeah, it's the same thing in New York. You know, you got to have your chops together and oh, you've yeah. got to like yeah. be a good reader, reader and all that too. But it just seems like, seemed like more of a factory down here in Nashville oh, yeah. in terms of yeah. how many people were cranking out recording sessions like you know back in the 90s remember there was like 200 and some x signed to to all the heads yeah everybody had studios everywhere it's just so much of that going on and you know so i was getting schooled in that you know and i mean there was some you know i can remember a particular session where i got called by you know a real major producer you know and he was just going to try me out Mm -hmm. you know and like I did really good for like the first, I was like there for three days or something track. And the first two days I really did really good. And the last day I was just like, there was just some stuff that was, you know, I wasn't right for it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, and I definitely got humbled, you know, very much so. And I was in there with all like the top guys, Mm -hmm. you know, recording. And I just, I was terrified the whole Mm -hmm. time, you know, just (laughs) like. Yeah, but it was, you know, I had to I had to get my ass kicked. <laughs> well, you certainly establish yeah. yourself now, man. I mean, you always hear your name come up.
did you stop working for Chet after a while? Like when you were here, you just sort of. I did. Well, I did faded out. I did. Um, uh, right after I moved to town, not shortly thereafter, he asked me to be in his band, and he was doing about, I don't know, twenty five, thirty gigs a year, something like that. Not too many, and so. Yeah, so I'd go out and do his gigs, and then in the in between all that, you know, I was doing I went out and did little stints with Shelby Lynn and Winona, mm-hmm. and um, Lyle Lovett. Yeah, and then I just started with Lyle Lovett in '96. Okay, so you've been with Lyle, and you still you were working with him up until what, maybe five, six years? No, ago? it's been a long time. Long time. Yeah, no, I worked with him from about '96 to 2002, somewhere okay. around there. Yeah, yeah, well, that's a good run. Oh, it was great, yeah. and it was a it was a blast. Yeah, I had a blast working with him. He was a great guy to work for, and um, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that. And it was a small group mostly. The first band I was in with him. It was like a small group. He had Stuart Duncan and Jerry Douglas and Sam mm-hmm. Bush. All hacks. Yeah, all hacks. Yeah, <laughs> non hacks. He, he had some bluegrass guys in the band, you know, and I was playing, you know, electric, you know. Yeah. Didn't play any harmonica with him. He yeah, wasn't man. a big. A lot of people don't realize, you know, Pat is just, I, I don't say this lightly, man. You're an amazing harmonica player, and you play. I took a couple lessons from you. Remember harmonica lessons? Yes, I remember. Yeah. And you play like straight harp. But you play it, you can blow it chromatic. Mm-hmm. And it's like a whole different thing. It's you know? like how, you know, like Howard Levy, you know, he does that. Howard Levy was the is the man who pioneered that okay. style. He you was know, the, the uh Flectones original guy, right? Yep, he's still he's still with the Flectones, and Howard is one of my heroes. Mm. You know, he's he's a hero of every harmonica player that I've that I that I know. You and got a harp just, around here? Yeah. Howard is the king. So you're playing just a straight up diatonic harp, which is a fixed key, but you can bend the notes and make a chromatic. Yeah, straight up. You know, that's just, yeah. you know, in the key of A. Uh-huh. You know. <laughs> That's so great, man. Wow. Yeah. So that's like, you know, called the technique is called overblowing. And uh, you're bending and overblowing and yeah. doing all these things because all the notes are on there, you know. That sounds so great. I mean, you just yeah. So you you're doing that, you know, with your all angles of your tongue. You know, there's no button mm-hmm. on there mm-hmm. or anything. So you do everything with the inside of your mouth. You now, know? Toots Thielman, does he play like a? Is he, he a chromatic? He's the plays okay. the one with yeah. the button. Yeah. yeah, and he's was was the master greatest. Yeah. You know, but that and, is uh, just ridiculous what you do with that yeah. man. So well, you thanks, get man. calls a lot to play on records. Just yeah, harmonica. Too. It's it's become probably half of what i do anymore mm-hmm. yeah it's 
you know, when I first, you know, got to Nashville, you know, people knew I played harmonica and I, you know, got to be doing a lot of sessions on harmonica and mm -hmm. stuff, doing recording sessions. And, and it was, it's always great. The to, cartage bill must be ridiculous the for you. The cartage bill's on unbelievable, harmonica. man. It's like, I charge a lot to carry more <laughs> harmonicas in there, man. No cartage, uh, no pack. <laughs> no. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's become a lot of what I do. And, um, you know, some great harmonica players here in town who I'm b big fans of a lot of the guys here in Nashville. It's it really it really came about. Um, I'd heard a friend play it one time on a gig. This guy named Randy Marsh uh, lives in Michigan. He was I uh, was on a gig with him, and he's he's a great jazz drummer. He got up at the end of the night and picked up a harmonica and was playing jazz on a regular harmonica. And I thought, man, I want to learn how to do that because I already played a little bit, uh -huh. you know. But I wasn't. I could play some Christmas songs and stuff. But he showed me some things, a few things, and he came to visit shortly after that and gave me one of his harmonicas and at that time I'm living in New Jersey driving back forth to New York all the time and you know and you're sitting in traffic constantly so it really was it was therapy for me starting mm. to play the harmonica because I'd sit in the car you know I'd get in a you know traffic jam and I'd be sitting there stopped you know on the Brooklyn Queens Expressway or some mm -hmm. or something for an hour I just get the harmonica out and blow instead of cussing at people in the other cars next to me you know what a what a cool <laughs> thing man you know that's I had heard, I had heard, I saw something on YouTube where a guy took these old HR16 Elisa's drum pads and he put them inside his dashboard and like mm -hmm. put the kick drum on the sidewall, you know, and, mm -hmm. and under his seat and he would tap and, and he had the drums like hooked up, like all this, the triggers. Oh, yeah. But that's, you know, the harmonica, it's good therapy. Traffic oh, yeah. Therapy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's what you do. Shane, get one, put it in your car. I know you told me that. Yeah, there you I go. Lessons. I, I yeah. should have stuck with it. I, yeah. Really impressed. You want to play a blues? Sure. Blues and E.
that. <laughs> wow. Makes me want to go buy a little harmonica again. But that's... Thanks, man. I'll give you one. Yeah. Mm, uh, <laughs> um, Thanks, man. Nice want... guitar playing there, Sean. Yeah, that's very, very uh, ignorant. I'm a big simple. fan of yours, you know. Oh, man. Thank you, Pat. Well... Man, you know, one thing you're a, a master at is uh, the Chet Atkins, uh, Travis picking thing. I could never do any of that shit. I can oh, fake it, but... Man, well, thanks for saying that, Shane. I, I I appreciate that. I'm... Man, I tell you, to be really be honest with you, you know, not, not to just say this just to be self-deprecating or whatever, but, you know, that style, I can I can play at it. You know, I can successfully do it on a recording session or, you know, I know some tunes and stuff, but... yeah. Man, I just, God, that's one of those parts of my playing that I really would like to, you know, spend more time on. Um, I always, I always intend to, and I, you know, I'll go for long periods where I'll wear a thumb pick and. Oh wow! Yes, you, you already, yeah, you're. But I'm not like, man. But I, you know, I get, you know, I go out and tour with Tommy Tommy Emmanuel. Yeah, that's you know, and Richard Smith, and those guys are they're masters. I mean, they're masters at everything, but. But the Chets and Jerry Reed style stuff, you know, I mean, they're just the king, you know. Right. You know, but I, you know, I wore the thumb pick, but I, I would love to be better at it than I am. Yeah, man. You know, Tommy do that yeah. stuff. Did you, you know? ever uh, learn that um, Yankee Doodle uh, Dixie thing, or you know, Chet would play Yankee yes, Doodle Dixie? Yes, at one Danny point, Dixie. I can't remember how to play it. Oh yeah, I, I learned it a long time ago. I can't remember. Right, a lot of left it. brain thing, man. It's like mm-hmm. I know it's unbelievable. I mean, I used to I used to spend a lot more time playing that style, and you know, I just I just haven't kept up with it because I just got I end up doing a you know yeah. so many other things. I end up. You know, I don't practice it anymore, so I just forget a lot of the material, you know. But, um, well, thanks for, for mentioning that. I, I yeah. want to get back into doing it more. Um, I write yeah. tunes, you know, and stuff where I do write fingerstyle type of things. And, and practice it, try to get it up yeah. to yeah. yeah. Do you do much of that? Not much. I mean, yeah. I'm a, can sort of hack my way through something, but, you know, mm-hmm. there's a little... You know, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I can't do anything, like, anywhere close to... Tommy Emmanuel or that. I used to yeah. learn some of these check and things like the scales, you know, where you, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that yeah, kind that of stuff. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice that's a thing. cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so long ago that I mm-hmm. used that, but yeah. Yeah. That's cool stuff. But yeah, I, st- I still mess around with it. You know, um, I tried writing a tune. Actually, I did write a tune. Me, Richard Smith and I wrote a tune. I, I came up with this thing where you do the Chet Atkins style, but you play the thumb as a shuffle. Wow. So I wrote this tune called the Chet Shuffle. I don't know if I can remember how to play it, but... Let's see. Yeah. 
yeah, that's man. the vibe. So you got the thumb doing like a yeah. shuffle. And uh, I'd like to write another tune like that. I have actually have a recording of that. I'll give it to you. you wow, can, that's so great. You can play it, you know, or listen to it. It's called the Chet Shuffle. trying to write something where the thumb is, you know. Mm -hmm. Then you got to figure out a way to subdivide the melody note in triplets and to make it kind of all, yeah, to make it all thing. kind of fit together. But it's actually a really cool thing. Like, yeah, you know, I've never thought of that before. If you're playing on a shuffle with a band and instead of playing, you know. Yeah. You know, you could be playing. You, you could. Yeah, that's a really cool feel. It's like a Chicago shuffle with Chet Atkins. Um... You know, you mm -hmm. can comp that mm -hmm. way, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, and mm -hmm. if you just kind of turn your guitar down really low and play behind, you know, it really swings, yeah. you know. It's great for the vocalist, too. Yeah, yeah, or if you're playing with a singer, you know. I don't know if you remember um, a few years back with your son Sam. How old is Sam now? He's eighteen. Man, he's eighteen. Shit. Well, yep. you, you know, you were you used to be married, to Allison Krauss, and so your son Sam. <laughs> I was doing this recording session with our a mutual friend oh. and Allison. It was for it was uh, for John Waite. So Allison comes to the yeah. session and brings Sam. Mm -hmm. And and she's like, is it okay if Sam just kind of bangs on the guitar, you know? And, and the mm -hmm. guy that was producing it goes, you know, let him do whatever, you know, Allison, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I said, sure, man. Mm -hmm. And he shows up, and I think he was probably 10, maybe. He was younger than that. I well, remember, because you sent me a video yeah, of Yeah, he had your He epiphone. was about four or five. Was it an Epiphone he had? Uh, it was huge. It was remember. your guitar. Oh, it was my Epiphone Century. It was huge yeah. on him. And, mm -hmm. and, and um, I said, where'd you get that guitar? It's my dad. And man, he started playing this tune. It was, uh, it was um, the John Waite hit. We, did a, we had to recreate the song to mm -hmm. use for a commercial. They didn't mm -hmm. want to get the master. They couldn't get the master. Mm -hmm. Every time I see you smile. That's what there it was. Yeah. And Sam was playing guitar with me. Like he overdubbed it, but man, the pocket was so good. And Neil, the guy that was engineer, he's like, "Shit, I'm using this. I'm just gonna pan it to hard left." And I was like, "Yeah, he's, I'm not surprised." I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, but his oh, yeah. pocket back then was oh yeah. So he must be scary at this point. Oh yeah, he's great. He must yeah, be he's, deadly. He's man. producing people now, and he's got a publishing deal, and he's writing with wow. all, all these great writers. And yeah, and he's well, that might have been his first yeah. recording session. 
that he actually played on. That uh, could be. And I remember sending yeah. you a video of him playing your guitar. I oh, still, yeah. I have that somewhere. <laughs> oh, he, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, I know. I remember. So I loved seeing that. Yeah. It's, yeah. I'm very proud of him. He's a good kid. Yeah. I love him. That's it's great. Cool, man. But yeah, he's, he's a talented person. Yeah. I'm not yeah. surprised. I mean, he, but you know, he's always had that. He's had it from day one. You know, well, he, yeah. he's always had the music thing. It was obvious from day one that he, that's what he was going to do. You know, I remember giving, giving him drumsticks when he was about six months older and yeah. he slept with them every <laughs> night. He had those drumsticks in his hand and, you know, he'd sit behind the kit and he got him a drum kit and he could play, you know, I mean, boom, boom, bap, yeah. boom, boom, bap with the hi-hat when he was two years old. You know, put him up on the stool. He couldn't even reach the bass drum pedal yet. You know, and he's going boom, bat. You know, and that's ah, in the DNA. Yeah, I mean, that was my first instrument was drums too. But Sam was better than I was at age two. <laughs> I think all <laughs> all these kids now, man, they have the advantage of YouTube. I don't know. I always get into this on this podcast. But it always comes up. I, mean, I guess it's an advantage. It could be a disadvantage because you get so scattered and and saturated with content and you know, like. How do I play? Uh, if you want to learn how to play Chet Atkins style, the beautiful thing is you can get on YouTube, but then the, the, the drawback is there's like a million videos of things and you don't know which one is like accurate or it's hard to stick with one thing. Right. You know what I mean, yeah, yeah, no, it's true. There it's, there's a lot of information out there and, and nothing beats to me. Nothing beats sitting down with another guitar player, Yeah. you know, and saying, Hey man, show me this, show yeah. me how you do that. Cause it's, yeah, unfortunately, you know, people don't have to memorize anything anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't have to remember anything. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a time where, well, you could bring your cassette recorder into a lesson, which was, you know, everybody let you do that. But a lot of times people would just come in and they would just remember what you showed them. Yeah. You know, and they were like, they knew that they had one chance to get, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you would have yeah. gotten to go get a lesson with Chet Atkins, you might have gotten one chance. Yeah. And if he shows you something, he's going to show it to you one time. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And you better remember and it's it. It's going to stick with you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like nowadays you don't have to, you know, yeah. you can just record it on your iPhone or, you know, go on YouTube and find some version of it. And I don't know. I think there's a tendency for people not to commit things to memory or to really mm-hmm. try as hard. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think, you know, well, I mean, I guess if you want to open... How many phone numbers do you know now? Like, think about that. Phone That's numbers. true. Who, know, who knows a phone number anymore? You don't have I mean, to remember them. You remember yeah. the one, your moms and your wives or a couple other people, you know, yeah. but you don't remember them. No, you're, it's so true. You don't have to commit your mem- commit anything to memory, mm-hmm. you know? And that's really the unfortunate thing, I think, for where, you know, the great things about technology. Yes, it's really incredible that we can do that. It's mm-hmm. an unbelievably incredible. It's like magic. We can go on YouTube or whatever and find out google anything that we want to know right that you mean assuming that that's accurate too because yeah you never know you never know they don't have to nail it the first time (laughs) they should know how to and they should strive for that but right right who i'm guilty of that you know i'm i'm guilty more guilty of that now than i used to be you Mm -hmm. know although i do know if i'm gonna go i want to know if somebody's gonna want to go in the studio and record and we're gonna you know yeah. You're gonna. This is what you're gonna have to do. You're not gonna get a chance to like fix your overdubs or whatever. I think about that, man. It's, like, like some of the record. Even uh, nobody has the balls to do it anymore. But there was a Bill Frizzell record. It was Ginger Baker, mm. and it was Bill Frizzell, Ginger Baker, and Charlie Hayden, and it was recorded direct to um, direct to disc. I guess yeah. it was called. You know, and it's 
you got to be fearless to do it. Jazz players are, do that. Yeah, right? well, that's studio. the great thing about yeah. that. That's the great thing about learning how to play jazz and, you know, being in that world is that, yeah, you don't do that so much in jazz, but you nope. can, right. you know, and there's nothing wrong with it, with right. doing it, but yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah, you, that's, everybody has a, I, I think a lot of musicians have a similar uh, agreement mm -hmm. uh, about that kind of thing. You know, how you lose the magic mm -hmm. of the music if you, you know, Constantly. overdo it and yeah. like tune everything and fix every little thing. And, you know, you get with this incredible bunch of rhythm section guys who play, like say you get with a bunch of New Orleans guys and their whole deal is about the feel that they can, get, mm -hmm. they can create as five humans in a room that nothing in the world can do on a, mm -hmm. on a, yeah computer program you can't emulate that you can try to m move things around you and make it feel good you can't that or break the machine no yeah, it, it would sound weird anyway with that sort of thing but, but there's guys who like get this amazing bunch of guys in the room you know like a bunch of funky dudes and like get this incredible sounding track and then quantize the whole thing oh yeah and just suck and sound every bit of soul and, and life out yeah. of it you know and it's yeah. like that's not the world I like to live in anymore. Yeah, yeah people pick up on that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. talk about um, i'm sitting in this room of amazing guitars and pat's got you know all kinds of cool toys in here you're playing that the, the 330 and i've got i don't know this is a an epiphone uh, that's an alkaola alkaola man this is a great act that's a guitar i bought recently really great act. you want me to get a photo of you holding that guitar here i want to get a photo of both of us after if we can yeah for sure holding guitars but uh Is that neat how the neck feels on it that? It feels it's good. That's why I like it. It's like a strap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. And then you've got these these amps, that they're the Jack Pearson sitting there. What is VVT? Who makes those? Uh, a guy named uh, um, Jim Hill. Jim Hill is in, I believe, Frederick, Maryland. Waldorf, Maryland oh, yeah, is where he is. Waldorf, Maryland, and he nice he builds amps. those amps. Really and he does. Nice. He makes uh, Jim Hill makes some really really great amps. These VVT amps stands for Va Vacuum Valve Technology, and um, he's made this 
amp for Jack a couple of years ago. It's a four, about a 40 watt amp uh, with a 15 inch speaker. It's loud, is and it's mother. got the best tone. It's like it does everything right. I don't know what the deal is. It's like I love Fender amps too, and um, but this has a thing. You know that 15 inch speaker. Like Jack says, you know, you can put it anywhere in a room and you can hear it. I mean, I turn it the other way, face it the other way a lot of times on stage. I don't, I don't even, I, re- I rarely have that thing up louder than two. Yeah, I would say it's loud. I mean, it'll, it'll break up, you know, when you get it up, you know, louder. Because you know, it's not like a hundred, it's 40 watts, but it's plenty loud. It's got a 15-inch speaker. The tone that you can get with any guitar that you plug into it. It's great. It's got a great reverb. It's got a little mid uh, mid-range control bump switch on there that bumps up the mid-range. It's got a brightness switch, volume, mid-treble, bass, and reverb. And um, every guitar I plug into it sounds great. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And with pedals, and when you're turned up a little louder, it just, man, I'd love for you to borrow one sometime, Shane. I would like love when to you're take in Nashville, all right. you know, Maybe when I'll you're in some. town sometime, borrow one of okay. these from me and, and take it to a session or to a gig or something because right. I think you'll dig it. All right. Yeah. And it, they go to 12, not and 11. And they go to, does it go they, to 12? It goes to 12. It goes to 12. It's too louder. Yep, it goes too louder. Even the reverb goes to 12. That's pretty oh, cool. yeah. We've yeah. moved on. 12 yeah. is the new 10. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new 10. That's great. <laughs> so you're, you're doing some more stuff with Tommy Emanuel? Yeah, Tommy. And Tommy, it, I've been going out and touring with him on it for his Christmas show in December. And uh, Annie, my wife Annie Selleck, comes out and sings with us. And John Knowles, the great John Knowles, CGP. Arranger, right? Like he arranged all these cool Christmas things on for fingerstyle guitar? Yeah, he can guy? arrange anything. He's the wow. greatest guy in the world and a great, great guitar player. And he plays classical. So it's me and Tommy and John on guitar and Annie singing. Man. And we just do all Christmas tunes. And Tommy, you know, is just... Tommy does a whole set of his his stuff the first set and then we come out the second set and do christmas tunes and that was a lot of fun doing that with him and he's just the greatest guy he just i love him he's just a unbelievable player have you seen him play live i've not like in person but uh, on yeah on video shane Shane, if you if he comes around up where you you know where you're yeah anywhere near new york or wherever you are at the time and and you want to go to a show let me know and i could probably yeah, you know, I'd love to. Make sure that you can go to the show because you just he'll he's one of those people who he's one of a kind, one of the greatest there's ever been and yeah. of all the people who could have been given a CGP yeah, you know, certified guitar player. Yeah, I mean, a, 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 you know, a guy like yeah. Tommy is the guy you want to give that to, you know, cuz he's going to take it to the next level and which he has and he's astounding as a talent as a player. I'm just just an awe of his accomplishments and he's a great guy but so yeah we've been doing that and and uh i was doing that gig with jack you know yeah and um uh i don't know what's happening with that 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 might be some more things coming up but i'm not sure but you stay pretty busy in town uh, and then here in town yeah i do i still do recording sessions for Mm -hmm. people and Mm -hmm. and various gigs and play with charles walker and Charles Wig Walker. We do an Acme Feed and Seed every Saturday brunch, you know. And Annie and I go out and do some duo gigs together, and that's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, I pl- play acoustic. You know, I got a mate in acoustic, and I plug it into that AER amp, Compact Sixty amp, cool. and it's a great. Oh yeah, sound. it's right there. It's holding yeah, up my recorder. But yeah, 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 that's a great sound. So, 
and um, I'm going to start recording some things again this year. Right on. Um, that I need to do. I'm way overdue for that. And I'm looking forward to hearing that record. I saw you put out a record of, like you did a trio record Oh, last or year, yeah. I'll I want to hear it. I'll oh, get please get me a copy of that. Yeah, I know sure. that's good. I yeah, can't wait to hear that. Yeah, I finished it. Let's just say that. He's <laughs> <laughs> glad to finish. <laughs> yeah, I know. You start you projects feel. and you're just like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. last record I did... Um, this record called Hippie Dance came out in 2011. That's how long it's been since I've done one. And, and I recorded, on six of the tunes on that record, I recorded those tracks in t- 1993. Wow. That's how old those tracks are. Hey, and some of my harmonica playing on it is from back then. I play a lot better now than I did back then, but I'm still proud of that record. A tuba player and I, from uh, my hometown named Dan Anderson, uh, and I started that project. And it's him playing bass on the tuba and he's the, one of the best tuba bass players yeah playing bass lines and stuff he grooves like crazy but yeah yeah I, I have some of your records and I have the stuff you did with our uh, mutual friend Steve Shapiro I'll probably mm-hmm. play some of that on here oh yeah, yeah all those records yeah Steve's he's great <clears throat> yep well, let's yeah. just play one more quick thing I'll okay just, I mean we don't even have to okay I'll, 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 I'll chop all this down but one two three
sell this guitar let me know pat i love this that's great i'm glad you like that shane i figured you would like that because feel how like when you play down low like i know like if you play like the yeah if you play like the low e notes like open and like play licks down there they sound really and when it's got distortion on it's really unique you know really and those pickups man i dig those real grand pickups
<laughs> yeah, Pat, man, nice. Yeah, All right, fun, man. man. Thanks for uh, for doing this. It was fun. Yeah, you're Great welcome. Play. Yeah, thanks for having me, Shane. Absolutely, yeah, sure, man. man. Good yeah. fun. Great to talk to you. Dig it. Yeah, man, and, um, you know, if you're in town recording again you want to take that oh okay that guitar. seriously man yeah, if you ever like need to borrow gear oh, or man, something or want to take a guitar or use any shit when you're in town okay i'll take that one that one that all one right go one, ahead take all of them i don't give a shit i don't i don't <laughs> and play that fish too right yeah there. yeah can't have the fish man all right folks thanks for listening thank you pat hope you enjoyed that a lot of great advice and a lot of great playing in that one pat and uh, as always, thanks for tuning in to the Riff Raff. Love your comments on iTunes. Give me a rating if you don't mind. And um, yeah, I have a lot of other past episodes up there. Uh, if this is the first time you've ever heard the, up, the podcast, there's a lot of stuff up there. I've got, you know, guitar, uh, if you're guitar players, John Schofield and Mike Stern and Dweezil Zappa and John Leventhal and... David Grissom and Adam Levy. There's, there's so many cats. And there's also great drummers, and Johnny Vidakovich and Kirk Covington. And um, there's a little something for everyone. So check it out. If this is the first time, welcome. See you next episode. Thanks. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.